If architects play a role in your business in any way, this episode is for you. One thing we hear from manufacturers is that they want to get into more specs, but getting into the spec and staying in it until the final purchase is a completely different scenario. On today's episode, we bring on a specification expert who outlines what your marketing needs beyond your website in order for you to stay in the spec. What does each player in the channel need from you in order for you to win the job in the end? This is an awesome episode with some great insights and we're excited to share the findings with you. Let's get into the episode. Welcome to the Smarter Building Materials Marketing Podcast, helping you find better ways to grow leads, sales, and outperform your competition. And now, here are your hosts, Zach Williams and Beth Popnikoloff. Welcome to Smarter Building Materials Marketing, where we believe your online presence should be your best salesperson. I am Zach Williams, alongside my co-host, Beth Popnikoloff. And today, we're going to be talking about specifications, specifically, how do you not only get into the specification, but also stay in the specification? We've got a really exciting guest who's going to join us today that's going to talk about that specifically, who's got some great insight and expertise. His name is Aaron Pine. He's the president of Construction Specification, Inc. Welcome to the show, Aaron. Thank you very much. Appreciate being here. Aaron, why don't you start by telling us a bit about what Construction Specifications, Inc. is and what you and your company do? Thanks, Beth. What we do is we are a technology company in which we assist the architect in developing their architectural specifications. So we document what the architect is going to be providing to the contractor to install in the building. So any of the materials, whether it be interiors, exteriors, we document to help the contractor bid the project out to subcontractors. So we deal with contractors, we deal with architects, and we deal with manufacturers documenting those products. What are some of the projects you've worked on, Aaron? Certainly. Most notably, probably in the metropolitan area, we've worked on the World Trade Center Memorial. We've worked on the New York Times Tower. We've done several residential projects. We did the renovation of Radio City Music Hall. And if you happen to walk down 42nd Street, we've done uh, probably 80% of the theater renovations that have taken place over the years. So you're doing both residential and commercial? That is correct. The residential, we do some very high-end homes, and then we do multifamily high-rise throughout the country. And it's not just New York metropolitan area, it's across the U.S. and globally, is that right? Yeah, we've had the opportunity to work in the Far East, the Middle East, South America, Canada. Yeah, we've had the opportunity to work globally as well, internationally as well as uh, domestic. That's really cool. And I'm just asking because I want to make sure we understand Does the specification process differ from not only state to state in the U.S., but if you're in the U.S. or you're in Australia, you know, or South America, or are you seeing that the process is consistent wherever you go? Well, it's interesting you bring that up, Australia in particular, because Australia has a different system. But typically in the United States, it's the same. It's three-part CSI format. And some of the other countries have adopted that format. I know in the Middle East, we've done work where they have also adopted the three-part CSI format. Some of the other European countries, they use different standards. We here in the United States use uh, ASTM. Some of the other standards are British standards or, or EU standards in other parts of the world. That's interesting. And so, so Aaron, who, who's hiring you? Is the architecture firm hiring you? Is the end builder hiring you? Who's hiring you in the process that you're helping with? About 95% of our client base is architects. We do some minor work for some developers when they try to establish a guideline for all their projects when they're building multiple projects. 
And, uh, you know, we have manufacturers reach out to us to prepare their guide specs so that they can issue those to uh, architects. Are they like giving you like a nudge, like, hey, how do we get into this project? How do we give you the files the right way? <laughs> well, you know, it's the manufacturers know they need to give the information to the architect to get into the specification and, and provide the data that's, you know, to establish their level of competency for the project. So a lot of manufacturers come to us asking us to provide their guide specs or assistance in providing their guide specs so they have their manufacturers, the representatives come to see us. So Aaron, if I'm a manufacturer listening to this podcast, the number one thing I want to know is how do I get in more specs? How do I get into those? How do I get in there? How do I stay in there? How do I get in there way more often? So you've done projects all over the world. What are manufacturers not doing that they should be doing if they want their products to be specified in more projects? The biggest thing that I see right now happening in the manufacturer's market is that they're they're not having people on the ground. We're seeing more and more manufacturers pulling sales staff back, okay, and not keeping their name in front of people on the ground. And when I say on the ground, you know, having a physical body going and seeing and knocking on the architect's doors, we're seeing more and more, you know, it's on the website, you know, you can call an 800 number. The problem with that is, is that there's nobody local. So for instance, as construction is forever changing, there's all kinds of site conditions, particularly in, you know, very difficult areas to build, like New York City and some metropolitan areas where you can't just say, I just need to put a product in like this. You have to go look at the conditions. So it's important, in my opinion, to have a technical rep that an architect can call and say, hey, I've got this condition. Can you come out to the site or can you come to my office? Personally, you know, I have representatives that have been calling on me for 25 years. So I call them if, if I happen to need a question answered and I call them, I have somebody readily available that I know is going to get back to me. I have a slight advantage only because, you know, if, if you're reaching out to me, you're reaching out and you're potentially capturing, you know, a couple hundred architects that we've worked for over the years. So it's, a, you know, I'm a little bit of an anomaly. There are people like us all over the country but not very many. You know, it's more difficult for a manufacturer's rep to get into a sole architectural firm simply because it's difficult to get in because the architects are so busy. That being said, I think just having somebody on the ground is very important. We're seeing a lot of manufacturers pull away from that, which I think, in my opinion, is a disservice to the community and, you know, trying to keep your product in front. The the important thing is, is to have somebody out there is that that way, there is somebody that there's continuity of the product. So your product, if you have it in the spec, say it is in the spec, if there's nobody to call, but your competitor has somebody to call, the likelihood of somebody calling your competitor because they can get somebody out to the site if they need an issue is highly likely wow. if the products are similar. In That's nature. interesting. You said two things really interesting there, Aaron. And we believe, and one thing we hear from architects we speak with is that they are busier than ever before. And if I'm a manufacturer and I've got a sales rep, getting in front of architects is more difficult than it used to be. Like the lunch and learn is not as effective as it once was, for example. But what you're saying is, yeah, none of that works anymore, but you still need people. And like, it's almost like they're two contrary ideas. It really is. It's a real quandary. And I'll agree 100%. Maybe I'm old school, simply because in my opinion, the manufacturer's reps are super important to the industry. I look at it as a way to get information quickly and effective from somebody that actually is on the ground. 
It's very difficult to call an 800 number and get the information you need if you just want boilerplate information. If you want job-specific information, somebody sitting, if the project is in New York and somebody sitting on an 800 number is in another part of the country, there is no way that you can explain to them all the details that are occurring in the field or the conditions for your job in order to make the correct selection. So what we see is a lot of times we get information from our clients and they've selected a product, but they haven't done necessarily the due diligence because there's nobody to do the due diligence with. It is very difficult. I agree 100%. I'm not disagreeing that it's not difficult to get into see architects. That's for sure. Everybody is very busy. You call on me, I see you because I think it's the only way for us to gather new information as well as existing information and see what's available to the community. And yes, the lunch and learns are not as effective. Everybody wants a free lunch. So yes, you'll get up. <laughs> hundred people showing up for lunch and then nothing will come forward from it. I give lunch and learns as well from time to time for clients and I get a good turnout only because the people that are bringing me in know me for, you know, 25 years. Yes, it's very difficult. Typically for us, I think if you see a spec writer or somebody that's in that world, the question I would be asking as a manufacturer's rep, who can I go see? What clients of yours would you think would be beneficial? Because when they people call on me... I say, hey, have you gone to see this person? Have you seen this person? Have you seen this person? If they haven't, then I give them a person they should contact there. And I say, you can certainly use my name. The community as a whole is only going to benefit from all the collaboration of the information that's available out there. The architect needs to know that information. They can't be in a little vacuum. And it may be difficult to get that information to them. But if you don't get the information to them, that's when you get value engineered out of the spec because the architect just looks at you as another, you know, apple in the bunch. It's interesting. I was speaking with an architect the other day and they said this exact thing. When they're on a manufacturer's website, they're on the phone with that manufacturer if they want to specify their product within 30 minutes, which I, I found very surprising for exactly what Zach said. Architects are probably some of the busiest people on the planet, but what she said, which I found really interesting, and Aaron, I think you would agree or I'd be interested in your opinion, is that nothing they do is ever exactly straightforward. Just because the product isn't a custom product, every project is slightly nuanced in how you're going to be using this product, especially if it's something like a few of the projects you mentioned, Aaron, which are historical renovations or you're doing some type of retrofit. You need to be sure that the way you intend to use this product, it's going to function that way. And you just, you kind of need that reassurance from the rep on the other end saying, yes, it's going to work the way that you want. And it's almost like we don't have that trust with the website because the website can't specifically nail all of the instances or installations in which you might use it. Is that sounding like along those lines that the website can only really take you so far? I agree 100%. The issue is, is that the website is trying to be something for everybody. It's, it's giving you information at a yeah. macro level. So at that level, you are going to get the information on the product, but it is not going to give you the intricacies that may be important for your project. So what you need to do is you need to understand the global idea of the product. But yet there is going to be, and if you look at manufacturers' websites, a lot of times they have everything under the sun, and then you have to drill down to get the specifics for your project, for that product. So you may have a product that may have 20 selections that need to be made. Now, how do you go about making those selections if you don't know the intricacies of the product? The key for me is if I don't know, I can call a rep 
and say, hey, listen, this is my condition. Can I send you a snippet of the drawing so you can look at the detail? Somebody in another part of the country, you could certainly send them the information, but it's not the same. They may not know the codes. There's certain requirements based, you know, if you're in California, there's seismic considerations you have to take into account. If you're in the middle of Ohio, you don't have to worry about that, but you wouldn't know. And somebody sitting in an office may not know those intricacies, but the rep who's local, who's in that area is going to know. Can you give us an example, Aaron, of somebody who got into the spec, but after going through this process, maybe got kicked out of it because of either they didn't provide the right information or they didn't have a rep or something like that? Can you give us a story or an example of that? Well, you know, there's several things. Number one, there's a whole, as we all know, a green movement in the building industry. Manufacturers have to provide an exceptional amount of more testing and other data to substantiate that their products comply with the requirements of either it be lead or things of that nature. The important thing to realize is that you need to document and provide all that information. If you do not, then you're going to be removed from the spec. What we're seeing is, is there is sometimes, you know, there's criteria in the spec of being manufactured in a certain location and, or you need to have certain years of experience. You need to provide that documentation to substantiate that. The biggest thing that we see for VEing is it comes down to dollars and cents a lot of times. You know, and unfortunately, that's just the way the world works. There's a couple things, dollars and cents and schedule. So if materials are not readily available, that's a problem. And if your competitor is cheaper from one reason or another, that's also an issue. I'm always a little suspect of the value engineers or substitution. That means a couple of things have occurred. Either one, the contractor waited too long to get the material and now he's got a scheduling issue. Number two, he's got material laying around from the previous job that he's going to try to get rid of. Or three, there's, there's a cost implication. And we all know, you know, all the manufacturers know what their competitors cost. It's no surprise. It's all, you know, we're not talking huge dollars difference, but sometimes we see these huge dollar difference. And that, that always makes myself and, and the architectural community a little suspect. Well, why is this? I think the manufacturers, the best thing they can do is to, when they meet with an architect or a spec writer, give an idea of what the cost of the product, material cost. We don't, you know, labor is subject to the area it's being built within the location of wherever it's being built. But the idea of the Material cost should be relatively same. Obviously, the shipping differences are things of that nature, but the cost of the material, if the architect could know that up front, helps dramatically to keep your product in the spec as opposed to getting the out. Can I just ask, Aaron, like who's doing it right? Like which manufacturer yeah. that you see, like who's going about this process the right way and is winning jobs, maybe in a way that other manufacturers don't know? Well, I don't know who's actually winning the jobs because that would be on the contracting side, which we don't get involved in. Manufacturers that we see a lot of that come to see us, you know, are, are the big paint manufacturers. We see the big gypsum drywall manufacturers. We see quite a bit come and visit us. The problem they all come in with, even with guys that have been around, is how do I get in to see the architects? Because who's excited about drywall? You know, who's just excited about paint unless the color, you know? But there's a lot of innovation in those materials that the architects aren't aware of because they just don't want to see the reps. They, they're like, well, what, what can they tell me about drywall? You know, well, there's a lot to tell you about drywall. There's recycled products. There's all kinds of lightweight products. There's abuse-resistant products. There's mold-resistant products. That information is very difficult to get to the architect at times only because they're so busy. I think you need to have people on the ground knocking on the doors. The other important thing is keep your name in front of people. 
you know, keeping your name in front of people is a lost art. Having a website presence, everybody thinks that's going to assist. That's not necessarily going to assist, you know, out of sight, out of mind. It's important to realize that, you know, even if you can't get in the door, but you call them, they at least know the brand. You know, somebody called me from XYZ. Or if you email. Email, I think, is great because there's a record because they can always go back and say, oh, who is that? That guy called me from XYZ company. Then they can go to an email. They get thousands of emails a day, but yet you could be one of those thousands as opposed to not being remembered. Phone calls, you know, less and less of the architectural community. The phone's falling by the wayside. We see it more and more, you know, from our business requests come in via email. The phone may not ring, but, you know, you could have several job requests come in because everybody sends everything via email. Email is a great platform. I'm still of the opinion based on the, in the construction industry, you still need that face-to-face because you need to be able to be able to understand the details and, and it can't be explained over the phone, in my opinion. On a higher level, as you're putting together the technical documents for the specification, talk to us about the difference between a manufacturer that makes it easy to include them in the spec and a manufacturer that makes your job harder. Well, the, the, the number one thing is, is we see manufacturers put their specifications, their guide specifications, and they put them up in PDF. Then I've got to go, I got to convert them from PDF to Word because I have to manipulate them to, number one, excerpt the information, and number two, make it project specific and put it in the project format. Every spec has a header and footer specific to that project. So making stuff in PDF, I understand why they do it, but it doesn't make our life any easier. The other thing is, is that we see guide specs would be beneficial if they had nomenclature within the guide spec that indicated what decisions had to be reached. You know, there's specs out there that have brackets, but they don't explain what the difference between the bracketed information is. Obviously, thickness is self-explanatory, but why would I choose this one over this one? What is the advantages? For me, that's when I call the manufacturer's rep and I get the information from them and say, well, this is my condition. Why would I choose you know, ABC over XYZ. What, what is the difference between the two? Is it longevity? Is it lifespan? Is it material? So from my point of view, that's where the rep is exceptionally important. You know, we have representatives that call on us regularly, you know, every six weeks, just send us an email. Hey, do you need anything? You know, just so that they know that, you know, they stay in front of us, number one. And number two, it gives them an opportunity to reach out to us. And I say, oh, you know what? I have to call them on that. You know, it's a two-second operation. We, you know, it's important to understand that, like I said earlier, the manufacturers have all the information up there, but they're the experts. I'm not an expert. I know a lot, but I'm not an expert. The architects know a lot, but they're not experts. The people that are the experts are the people that have been groomed by the manufacturers to represent their products. And that's important for me to understand uh, getting in touch with those people. The one other thing I would like is if I went on a manufacturer's website, and some manufacturers do this. You can put in the location and they give you the name and phone number and email of the local rep. A lot of manufacturers, you go on their website and you have to call an 800 number to get the local rep. If some of the manufacturers have a a geographic chart and they say you're in New York, you're in New Jersey, this is your rep. And you can go right to them. I think that's hugely, hugely important. I can't stress that enough. We agree. We agree, Aaron. That's the whole reason why we're talking about this podcast is just so we can bring up the point that you need a rep locator or something like that, right? 100%. Yeah. That's awesome. So Aaron, to wrap things up, 
if you had one piece of advice and you've given some really great information about how do you get and stay in the spec, what types of information do you need to have and how does that information need to be structured? But if you had one piece of advice for a manufacturer to get and stay in the spec, as well as make their products a higher value play in the eyes of an architect, what would you recommend to them? What would you tell them to do? I think you need representation at multiple levels, not only the architectural level, but you need a representation in the contracting level. Because ultimately, there you could get in the spec, but the contract is ultimately buying out the job. So I would say 90% of our projects require there to be an or approved equal language in the job. Okay. They, they all want competitive bid. And the problem is, is that the contractor will turn around and get a bid from somebody else. And then he'll go and say, well, I'm going to save $50,000 on a $100 million project. Doesn't sound like a lot of money, but it ends up being a lot of money because the owner's like, well, architect, why do I have to use this product? He needs to know what the advantages and disadvantages of using this other product. And that's where the sales rep on the architectural side would come in. He could call them and say, hey, listen, somebody submitted this product on this job. I spec your product. What is the advantages of your product that I can go back to and say, hey, this is why I think we should stay with this product. At the end of the day, it still may not make a difference, but at least there is the architect has done his due diligence and had the opportunity to speak to somebody who is local. And if the rep, depending on how it's structured, it may be important for the rep to keep the spec. So he may call the contract and say, hey, listen, I hear you're submitting something. And so it's a, it's a circle of life. But everybody's in tune with it, so it gives an opportunity to make sure that your product doesn't get VE'd out of the spec. That's so critical right there, Aaron, because you could get in the spec, but if you're not seeing the whole sales channel of your product through the lens of how it's actually going to get put into the project, like you're going to miss out. And I think that your point about having somebody there that can not only guide that architect, but also stay at one step ahead and maybe try to talk to the GC or try to talk to the contractor. Like that's so, so smart because then you're basically circumventing any kind of conversations of why they shouldn't include your product in the project. That's really critical. It's really smart. So Aaron, thank you so much for coming on the show. This has been super insightful. If somebody wants to get in contact with you, what's the best way for them to reach out? Uh, They can reach me by phone if they'd like at uh, 732-970-970. 0700 extension 701 or my email, which is my first name, Aaron, A-A-R-O-N at construction spec and spec is spelled S-P-E-X dot com. Awesome. We'll also include that in the show notes as well for you, Aaron. But again, thank you so much for coming on. This has been awesome. If you want more great content like this, go to venvio.com slash podcast. Until next time, I'm Zach Williams alongside Beth Popniklov. Thanks, everybody. You've been listening to Smarter Building Materials Marketing with Zach Williams and Beth Popnikoloff. To get the resources mentioned in this podcast, visit venvio.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening.